What it is, what it do, gamers. This is Kevin, a.k.a. Shonuff71. And we are here, back, with Season 1, Episode 23 of the Gaming Vessels Podcast. In the digital studio, I got my partners in crime. We got the Bay Area Terror Dez. What's going on, bro? Not much. I hope y'all doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our show. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we also, also in the digital studio, we got the man who will maximize your gaming dollar, the food max of gaming, Trader Joe. How you doing, my friend? Not bad, man. Just relaxing on this wonderful Tuesday evening. So, yes, indeed. Um, speaking of relaxing, that's kind of in my with my well. We'll talk about it when we get to gaming. <laughs> but uh, um, I have been relaxing with a number of different titles. But uh, there is one game that's going to be coming out here uh, Friday. And it's called Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, for those of you who have a Switch, it is one of the most anticipated titles since its since its announcement. Um, I don't know. Depending on who you are, some folks might have might might have been more uh, excited for this than uh, the Legend of Zelda. I don't know. Um, I guess it all depends on which side of the fence you're on. Whether you're a Mario guy, a Zelda guy. I know most Nintendo folks are probably a little bit of both. Um, I have to say that when I first saw the in-game footage of Odyssey, I was completely shocked at what uh, Nintendo was doing with it. Um, the different worlds, the different um, mechanics having this little magical hat that you can uh, assume control of NPCs in the world to uh, maneuver through the environment. And I'm sure you're going to use that mechanic to solve some environmental puzzles of some sort. Um, don't I don't think it will be anything like Zelda-esque necessarily, but providing some unique gameplay differences that I think we'll probably have not seen in a traditional uh, Mario game ever. Um, I, the more I see that hat in play, the more I think it's it's the the more I find it unique, and I'm really looking forward to getting a hold of it. I still don't have my Switch plugged in; it's still sitting in my closet <laughs> in the box. <laughs> so, are we gonna wait to like open up on Christmas? You know, have like an N64 kid reaction <laughs> or something. <laughs> No, no, um, what I'm gonna switch. Do, I'm sort of freaking out. Oh my god, switch! That's switch. What I'm gonna do is I'm going to. I I still need. I need a uh, a switch a HDMI right? switch for the switch. Uh, I'll need one for the uh, for the Xbox when it comes in as well. So because I real I'm I'm out of spaces. I'm I still have space on my uh, con on my uh, entertainment desk. But I'm out of connections to the TV, so I definitely need a switch. So that'll cause me to get to jump on the get on the uh, get busy and getting that thing ordered and and set up. But with the impending release of Super Mario Odyssey, um, we were thinking about the Mario franchise as a whole and 
the kind of the titles that have stuck out the most to us. So uh, we're going to kick this uh, this topic, our main topic, off with what about Mario? And you know, we'll th- we're we're going to throw Donkey Kong, you know, in, in in that mix as well. But overall, what about this this series of of Mario games? Um, in, it it uh, grasps you. What what? pulls you in uh about mario do would you find it the i won't say the the originator of platformers but the the kind of like the 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 gold standard of how other platformers are judged um how what about it has just pulled you in at pulled you in as a gamer with regard to that series so we'll throw that we'll throw that out to you des what what how do you feel about it I mean, well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, Mario is the platformer, in my opinion, in which all other platformers are, are kind of judged um, because it's just the basic the basic gameplay of, you know, Super Mario Brothers, you know, all of the games actually is just, I mean, it's just so simplistic, yet there's so much you can, you can do with it, you can change with it, you can update it. Um, and so, you know, and, and Nintendo, I mean, like, that's, like, one of their, aside from, like, Zelda or Link, that, I mean, he, the, he's, like, Mario is just, like, that kind of epitome of just, you know, Nintendo. Uh, I remember when, you know, Mario 64 came out and people just, like, you know, lost their shit and, and you know, 3D Mario, oh, you know, and I totally agree with them. You know, it's, like, whenever you hear a new Mario game, or, or a new Mario, you know, platformer that you know Nintendo's going to come with some kind of new, cool, quirky kind of sensibility that's just going to, you know, really, you know, put, you know, gaming on its on its ear. Um, you know, of course, there have been no misses and and and, um, and uh, you know, shaky, shaky games out there. But but for the most part, I think all other games have been have been stellar. And I think most um gaming companies when they make a platformer you know i think they look to mario for inspiration and what nintendo has done throughout all of the different games uh that they have made featuring mario i mean that's just i feel that that's just a no-brainer um so yeah i mean you you can't have you can't have a you know platforming and not and and not say that they're they're not inspired by uh, Mario Brothers, you know the, the the Mario and and all the games that have come, you know, uh, come out. It's just no one can say that, you know, that they were not that that, that they were not influenced by it. Um, so I am super excited for it. Um, I know a lot of people say like the reason why you know they bought their you know their Switch was because you know oh it's Nintendo Switch got to buy it you know and then there was someone's like up. Oh, New Breath of the Wild, New Zelda, I got to buy it. You know, for me, it was Mario. You know, it's just like, I'm going to have fun with Mario. I'm going to play the crap out of that game, and I, I cannot wait. What about you, Joe? Uh, Mario, kind of, for me, it's just uh, off and on, it's just been 
beginning with Donkey Kong. I mean, I remember being an arcade rat back in the day. I mean, I'm talking about like when my dad knew the manager of Chuck E. Cheese and we would, you know, basically get cups full of tokens throughout the entire summer just to play games free play and <laughs> playing like Donkey Kong ad nauseum. Uh, I just loved it. And, uh, you know, I remember when the original Mario Brothers came out, the original arcade game, which is now available on Switch. Um, that game, just like that game was to me off the walls crazy. I mean, the whole uh, multiplayer aspect to it, the grabbing the pals, you know, knocking the turtles and the uh, um, lobsters on their back and having to run and grab them before they flip back over, you know. Um, one thing that Su- Super Mario Brothers did for me, at least when the game first came out, is that uh, even though, you know, during the time I was still a gamer, um, it came after the crash. And I know, Kevin, you could probably relate to where, you know, there wasn't any more consoles, you know, pretty much, you know, there was no more, you know, ColecoVision, no more Atari 5200, you know, no one was making games for the 2600 at the time. And I kind of made a bad decision during my eighth grade uh, uh, break when I went got a janitorial job and worked all summer and I bought an Atari 800XL. I should have bought a Commodore 64 and then pretty much because of my ill-gotten purchase and the fact that I was uh, more attracted to heavy metal at the time, I was like my gaming as a hobby was kind of waning a little bit on there and uh, super mario brothers kind of brought me back to the fold you were seduced by metal i was seduced (laughs) by slayer and metallica and at at some point you know prior to that like motley crew and twisted sister and all that crap you know yeah Yeah, so music they didn't yes they they didn't hold a candle you know they, they the mario couldn't hold a candle to them huh well actually no uh actually super mario brothers kind of brought me back in the fold because oh, wow. uh, i was still they were your redemption he was your redemption yes, <laughs> yes my my redemption back into gaming it, it, i like super mario brothers so much because the first time i actually played it was in the arcade they had the super mario versus on there and, and uh, there's some differences between the arcade version and the actual nes version actually but uh it was interesting enough to me to where I wanted a NES, and so I got my put a bug in my dad's ear. I think I was like you know 16 at the time, so I was uh, working a bit. I had some jobs I was doing. You know, I was working at a snack bar at high school. You know, granted, it's not bringing up tons of cash, but my dad helped me buy uh, NES, and uh, I wound up getting the the set without Rob. I didn't really care about getting Rob. You know, it wasn't a, a thing that attracted me, but at least I got the set with Duck Hunt, Super Mario Brothers, and, uh, you know, like like they say, it was on, like, Donkey Kong after that, so. Yeah, you didn't miss anything about missing Rob. I had Rob, and Rob was, was a joke. <laughs> no, but it's funny, because I remember, you know, going out there and just being like, oh, my God, I got to get this system, and then. You know, not being able to get this, not be able to get the system. You know, I was just like, no. And then, and then going to, um, and then going to like Macy's and buying it. You know, remember Macy's used to sell electronics. We were going there to Macy's and buying, you know, my my NES, and it came with like, you know, Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and I was like, yes, I was so happy. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I, I wound up grabbing one before it kind of blew up a little bit. It was like in, I think 1986 is when I picked up my my set. I picked it up at Home Express, which was a retailer at the time that was pretty. Uh, 
pretty cool with electronics. And uh, one thing about the Home Express is they always had like demo kiosks out and you could check out newer games. And they allowed you to return a game after it's been open too, which was, you know, it's like, Ooh. you know, like the, me- the mecca. The yeah, mecca of mecca. When you can return a game, I know you and your father were like, hell yeah. Uh, I was more like, okay, uh, go Home Express the next week and let's return the one game and get another game. And so it's like I was Lord. using it almost as a rental service. At the way. Jeez, Joe, so, scandalous. I used, to, I used to love going to Liberty House uh, with my dad or my mom for that matter because that always meant a trip to Home Express. And I would, of course, get a chance to hang out at the at the kiosk. That was the... That was Home Express was the only store that I was really allowed to um, kind of go off on my own because they knew where I was going to be. You know, I wasn't going to be running around here to this toy section because they didn't really, as I recall, they didn't really have one. I would have, I was there in front of the demo kiosk playing the different games. So I, I love going to. Uh, uh, the going to the mall where that had Liberty House because my mom was a Liberty House junkie, so we go there. And my there was another store in there that my dad liked to go to, but it was, whether it was with my mom or my dad, I knew that when they were heading to that particular mall, that meant I was going to be going to Home Express at some point during the trip. So. Yeah, I that 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 brings back so many memories. Just hanging out with my parents and going there and playing playing those games. Yeah, I love that Super Mario Brothers did bring me back to the fold to play games at home because before, you know after the crash there was really I mean to me I wasn't going to buy a Commodore sixty four I didn't want another disappointment like a my Atari eight hundred so just to have an opportunity to buy a home console again and uh, to buy cartridges again like I did with the twenty six hundred the ColecoVision the Atari fifty two hundred you know it got me back into the fold and that's why. I would say that Super Mario Brothers is probably like my numero uno. And for the fact, I remember too, when I, after I bought the game, I, it took me a long time to get used to game pads. It was like weird because I, it's like, oh my God, it's like so damn different between that and having an Atari joystick or <laughs> messing around with the different controllers. Did you guys have a, a issue with getting used to the game pads at least a little bit? No, not at all. I re- no, I really didn't. But you got to remember, I came from in television, and that controller is a torture device. <laughs> uh, so, j- just to be clear, so anything, anything, uh, if it's not the in television controller, it's fine. <laughs> so I had no problem adjusting to it because I. I'm surprised I don't have carpal tunnel. I didn't have carpal tunnel <laughs> yeah, as a, and like as a your, child. And your fingers get all rubbed raw because those oh, yeah. edges. That yeah. disc. It yeah. was that disc. That, that, that disc and the – basically for, the, for folks who have never seen it in television controller, think of a – one of those slim phones when, when they first came out. Uh, those landline phones that uh, it's basically like that. It is a keypad that you're holding. You've got two action buttons on either side of the controller and you've got a circular disc, not a control stick or anything like that. It is a metal disc at the bottom of this keypad. And it is the worst (laughs) controller ever. People talk about the N64 being a, a, a terrible controller. 
No, it is the Intellivision. And the, the problem is, is that the Intellivision could see y'all got me on this tangent. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Intellivision controller was actually very good as far as accuracy. Like I could, I could fling a race car around and auto racing and drift around everything, all the hairpin turns in that game with no problem. Uh, it had much, it had 16 points of direction as opposed to eight from the uh, the 2600 con uh, controller, but it holding that thing for longer than 15, 20 minutes and your hands start to cramp and they start to hurt and it, it, it's, it is a torture device, but um, but yeah, back to <laughs> back, back to, to the Mario discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would say Super Mario Brothers is probably my number one, just because of it, the importance of it bringing me back to gaming at in the home, and it kind of stirred that pot. But I'm thinking if it wasn't that, it probably would have been like <laughs> Contra or any number of different arcade games. Uh, that were being released for the home console that would bring me over. I mean, I was still an arcade rat, even though I wasn't playing games at home. I still had the opportunity to go to arcades, festival game pals, and play like any number of things. That kind of led me at that some point to get a Sega Master System. In fact, I sold my NES at one point to buy a Sega Master System. And then after owning the Master System for a bit, I said, F it, I'm like 17, I'm earning my own money. I decided to buy another NES and just, why own both? Why worry about it? So, so that's <laughs> at that point on there. Um, of course, Super Mario World, the launch game for the uh, Super Nintendo, was very, very important. I love that game. I beat that game backwards and forwards on there. Uh, another game of note to me, the first Mario Kart game. Um, I was in my early 20s, so obviously there was a lot of beer involved, a lot of <laughs> shenanigans, and just playing battle mode incessantly for uh, hours and hours on end. Um, I remember being at a Motel 6 with a keg and bringing my snes and hooking up to the tv there and just sitting there and just we're you know party on we're just playing mario kart for hours and hours uh doing a keg stand um just living the life you know did i want to talk to girls no i want to play more mario kart screw <laughs> that <laughs> priorities <laughs> priorities are straight so between that and Street Fighter 2 Turbo, I mean, the Super NES got quite a bit of use. So, <laughs> And all throughout the series Lifetime 2, I mean, I enjoyed Mario 64. It wasn't like, yeah, it was inventive for what it was. It wasn't my favorite. But uh, I would say the games that came since then, Super Mario Sunshine's a highlight. I just love the Flood device. I love that they brought that kind of tropical flavor to that game. I felt that the platforming in that one specifically, especially with running flood and you know floating up in the air, and, and I thought the platforming techniques on that game were phenomenal. And um, I, you know, to get all the coins in that game, the whatever amount of coins that they required you to grab, um, I felt it took a lot of skill. You know, I kind of built on the kind of um, foundation that Mario 64 kind of left to me to and i think sunshine doesn't get as much love as it should and i kind of see a lot of roots in sunshine agreed in um odyssey i see because of the whole like you know with cappy you know i see flood memories of using flood coming back because it's giving an additional like uh, gameplay 
aspects and angles to be able to go in on that. So I would say Super Mario Sunshine. In fact, tempted to bust out my GameCube or like turn on the power switch. <laughs> It's hooked up to my TV. I could play it anytime if I wanted to. So uh, I just might do that. So. You should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I I think for me, my first uh, foray into the into the series was the Mario Brothers at the arcade. There was a, uh, and it's still here. It might be under a different name now. There was this place called Clovis Lakes. It was a water park oh. here in the oh. in the central. <laughs> Central Fresno area. In Central Fresno area, um, we went there on a school trip, and the one thing that I you know I had my swim trunks and everything with me, but my friend at the time I was getting ready to go and hit one of the slides. I had just gotten off of one, and he comes running up. I remember this to this day. He comes running up to me. He said, "He's like." You got to see this arcade, man. You you got to see this arcade. We were both gaming gaming fanatics. So after I dried off, I went to the arcade that they had there, and they had a crap ton of arcade of arcade machines in there. It was in the I, I, giant I, mobile home, which yeah. to me was crazy. So. Yeah. So I I went it's in there. It's not sketchy at all, I, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't leave. I didn't. We were there all day. Um, I stayed in that arcade even after I ran out of money, just just like, you know, in full Night of the Living Dead zombie mode, just going from one attract screen to the other. But that was the first time I played Mario Brothers. And I think for me, the concept of easy, uh, easy to or like, gaming mechanics that are easy to learn, difficult to master. That was the first time, and um, all arcade games sort of work on that premise, but I think that was probably the first time that premise kind of, like hit me in the face because, okay, I can't jump on them. I have to hit them from underneath, okay? And then I got to jump back on top of that upper ledge and kick them off the ledge. So, you know, the turtles, you know, some turtles had to be hit twice. And then you had the the jumping crabs or, the, no, the flies uh, that had to be hit when they would land on the, on the platform above you. And there was just so many easy concepts, but it was just layered, you know, layer on top of layer on top of layer. And you have all these simple... These, these simple challenges on their own become these uh, complex situations later on as you continue in the levels of the game. And for me, Mario Brothers was the first arcade game that really hammered home the idea of, uh, you know, easy to do, difficult to master, you know, easy concepts to grasp, but mastering them and controlling what you need to do or take care of first becomes more and more difficult as it goes on well uh, not not only that but the multiplayer component i i have remembered to this day watching my friend trying to grab like a uh, a creature that would happen to be on its back i mean hitting the pow button at the opportune moment to flip them back up so that they would actually lose a life <laughs> <It's> on purpose <laughs> 
<laughs> so we kind of threw a little shade and played a little competitive at the at the time, just as a joke, you know, just like friendly fire, like or playing Final Fight or something like that. You know, it's just the same thing where. <laughs> yeah, that's when you get the pow. That, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to do that. Like I did the same thing. You, know, you hit him with the pow. Knock it off. Knock them off. Sorry. You know, well, you know, at the time, you know, you know, you had a score. You had a player one score. You had a player two score. Yeah. And, you know, you want to make it more competitive. You want to have the higher score than your, your compatriot that you're playing with. So, so, I mean, I can understand that just the layers of depth with Mario Brothers and uh, Mario Brothers was the one game that, you know, literally my dad was within like eyelash of beating the holy bejesus out of me because, um, I had to have the damn 5200 version of Mario Brothers. It came out right before Christmas, and uh, I was at Jemco, and I was just literally just hounding my dad for the damn thing. I think I was 13 at the time, and he got it for me, but he gave me a piece of his mind, and then some <laughs> as far as the harassment that I gave him, you know, and it's like, you know, you call me spoiled. I guess I was spoiled, yeah. you know, so... That's that's the love I had for the original Mario Brothers. It's surprising that's not on this list, but you know it's still a very uh, well to do honorable mention, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was fortunate with that. My parents were just terrified of drugs at that time, so they're just like, "You want to play games? Fine, just don't do drugs here. <laughs> just keep give keep keep getting good grades. That's all we really care about." So. I I was kind of fortunate, and I was I was I was kind of a uh, a doofus kid for taking advantage of that because I did <laughs> very much, but but yeah. Um, so let me ask you guys this, um, and we'll do this we'll do this round robin style. What are your top three Mario Brothers games? Uh, starting with number, starting from eh, let's start with number three and work our way to number one. So, Des, what's your what's your number three? Um, I don't know. That's a good one. I think it'd have to be one of the um, one of the uh, any um, not NES. It's one of the uh, 3DS games like Bowser Stories or Inside Story. One of those were really, really, really fun. Like when they had to work together as a team. I'm I really enjoyed a lot of the uh, RPG um, Mario's. So th- one of those three in that trilogy would have to be all of it. Would have to be it. I can't really say which one ugh, because they were all really good, and I can't mm. wait for them to be remade. You know, for the new for the for the current systems. So, but for that, I mean, like the the. the 3ds and the 2ds i can't wait for the i think they just remade one of them and i'm probably going to remake the other one too so but i do have to say that i i have really 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 enjoyed those games just just the mechanics of being able to pick the other one up and move them around and like just having the brothers work together as a as a team really just was really a lot of fun for me so Mm -hmm. I, i really enjoyed um those games uh so i guess that was like three and one so there you go <laughs> so joe i'm gonna throw it off to you what was your um what was what, what was your number three i know it's kind of hard for you to think about that because you know you have definitely you know you know lived such a long life 
you know, doing stuff. Is that is that a nice way of calling him old? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, I know he was talking about, I know he was talking about, you know, buying all this stuff and then changing it over and then, and then um, moving it around and, and, and selling stuff and then buying stuff and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff with, with the stuff. So I'm always kind of. Like I'm almost kind of wondering, you know, not really different than what he does. Well, now. no, I just, I just, you know, I just know that he has really, you know, he, he has lived, you know, Ooh. so to speak. So I'm sure him wanting to do a, wanting to find a, um, a, uh, <laughs> wanting him to find, you know, a game that's, you know, one that he likes is just, you know, kind of, kind of hard. So. <laughs> Well, I'll go ahead and, and drop in with my number three. Okay. Um, like you, I had a, I have a, I really enjoyed the Super Mario RPG games. So good. Uh, very good. About I did not. I can't put one in particular in that spot because it's been so long since I played Super Mario RPG. But what I have been playing of late during my breaks at work is Mario and Luigi Dream Team. And what I really like, yeah, what I really like about that game, and I think there's there's more than one in this series because I think there's, uh, I know they have this one that I've seen commercials for where Peach gets her voice stolen. So you have to, so you have to, it's like that adventure, and I think there's another adventure. I can't. I don't. I don't. I'll have to do some more research in that. But what I like about Mario and Luigi Dream Team is that it's it's turn based, and y'all know I'm not the biggest fan of turn based combat when it comes to RPGs. But they ingeniously incorporate platforming gameplay elements in the turns, like. Um, you know, as you're getting ready to face, if you and Luigi are facing off with a group of enemies, you have the the head stomp, and with that stomp, as you attack, you can you can just hit the button and just do a standard attack. That's wonderful. But if you time that that impact right, you can get a second hit for additional bonus damage. Uh, you had you utilize the hammers, you know, from that are reminiscent of what you use from Donkey Kong, and you could timing the hit strikes with the hammer. You'll do like a super powerful attack, uh, depending on what type of hammer you have. And then there's all these different um, there's like all these different uh, uh, attacks that you can do with with uh, turtle shells. And those are like your bonus attacks that you can do. And they're just so and they incorporate every aspect of the of the 3DS or in my case 2DS XL. But it's not gimmicky. That's one of the uh, that and here's another small just a short rabbit hole. Just deal with me here, folks. Um, that's really one of the things that the 3DS was able to do that I don't think the Vita games on the Vita really were able to do is that utilize all the aspects of features of the console, meaning the, the gyroscope, the, you know, the camera, the, you know, the things like that. It seems that the, the, the DS is able to do that. Yeah, it's the gimmick, but it doesn't come across as gimmicky. 
um, the Vita had a, has a much difficult in, in its software lineup. Has seems to me have a much difficult, more difficult time of incorporating these neat aspects that the console has into certain games. I think maybe the only exception might be Tearaway that you know utilizes the bat the rear touchpad or the camera that don't come off as just extremely gimmicky. So that's one of the one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, the DS now that I have one uh, is that it seems that the software that they utilize these feature sets um, it does it in a much kind of like a much cleaner way. But uh, I, I've been having a, a fantastic time with Mario and Luigi Dream Team. It's just it's just really fun. <laughs> you know, it's just a whole lot of fun uh, for for those reasons that I stated. So, so Joe, what's your number three, man? Is Joe there? I think he might have stepped out or something is going on. Oh, no, no, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, um, I had my mic muted, muted. But uh, like I said before, um, Super Mario Sunshine is my number three. On there, okay. on there. Um, like I said, love the series. Uh, love that particular game. The Flood Unit just made that game super exciting. Just all the gameplay aspects, the platforming, um, the whole um, atmosphere in that island, which I forgot the name of the island on there right now, but uh, maybe I should go back and play it. Uh, my honorable mention for number three um, would have to be Super Mario Brothers 3 on the uh, NES on there i yeah i thought super mario brothers 2 was a-okay but it what didn't have the didn't speak to me like uh the original super mario brothers did and so when the third one came out we we're kind of waiting for it to get imported from japan and there was this uh rent video rental place that was on ashland in 99 called roadrunner video that had the famicom version with an adapter to pl- uh, make it playable on the nes and i rented that thing like I think four or five different times. I played Super Mario Brothers 3 in Japanese and enjoyed it quite a bit. I loved it. In fact, I got to play before the NES version came out. So so that game is still a awesome. It's probably the best uh, Mario Brothers game on the NES. I had to I had to say it. So awesome. Awesome. So Dez, what's your number two? I would say that my number two would have to be Super Mario uh, 2. Um, I really liked that game because it was the one. It was two. I think two was the one. It was two was the one where it was like a, it was like a um, a play that was being put on. Was that three? Mm-hmm. Was that that was two? No, right? that no, oh, that's, that's two. two. Yeah, that's two. Yeah, that's the one I like because you could play Peach, you could play. Luigi and you could play Toad and they all had different things that you could do and that game added so much new gameplay to it that I was just like oh this is so amazing and so I just sat there and I was just like you know I I was just amazed by it there was something about it that just was like this is the best thing I've ever played you know (laughs) and I just remember playing it and, and pulling up the stuff out of the ground and you know, uh, when Peach would pull the stuff out or they would pull out and they'd throw it and Peach would float around and stuff. It was just a really fun game. And the music was just good. I don't know. Just something about that game just really, just really just touched a really, like, fun spot. I don't know. I just really liked the game. 
It's so silly. So, um, no, you guys kind of know the roots of that game, though, as far as um, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. a Mario Brothers game. Doki was it? Doki, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Doki, a, uh, Doki, Doki Doki Panic. Doki, yeah, Doki yeah. Panic, yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a Mario Brothers game. So it was just kind of. That's like, where the, sh- the shy guys were part of the Doki Doki universe. Uh, yeah, as I understand it that they they were just kind of incorporated into Mario, uh, just because it. They just scanned in Mario characters, or not scanned in, but you know, sprites. you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. Sprite. Yeah, they kept the sprites Sprited. the same. They're like, we're, we're just gonna make Doki Doki Mario yeah. and run with it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny that all the game um, creatures in the game, like the shy guys, birdos, the bomb bombs, were all repurposed and put in the Mario series after that. And this is a game that Miyamoto directed and brought out in Japan that had nothing to do with Mario. It, it starred like an Arabian character on there so they had four playable characters in the super uh, in the famicom version of it that when they brought it over they just decided to use uh doki doki pan instead of the actual super mario brothers 2 um in japan because the game was rails to the rails hard as far as (laughs) difficulty so Mm -hmm. Uh, we wouldn't even get a chance to play those until i think they brought on virtual console and i think it was in super mario all-stars uh, that they included the um, uh, actual True Blue uh, Super Mario Brothers too. So, well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <To know. laughs> um, I think for me, my number two was going to be Super Mario Brothers three. Um, the, I I think it was the music. That that melody. It's just like it, it's still stuck in my head. That with those uh, little yep. you know eight bit bongo sounds. <laughs> yeah, bongo beat going. Don't, don't get a suit now. Just get, you gotta <laughs> stop singing it. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoy that. That game just just drew out multiple and multiple hours of gameplay. And and the funny thing is that with with Mar- there's there's really only a handful of games. I'm not really a platformer guy. I mean, I like platformers; they're cool, but I wouldn't I wouldn't even include them in you know my favorite types of games overall. But like Mario Brothers Three had so many neat little like gameplay things like as you're if you're going down uh going down the the decline of a hill if you push down mario will slide and he'll kick everything that's in his way off in front of him and you get points for that you know just just neat little things that you just discover just through organic gameplay and i think uh uh uh, shigeru miyamoto is just a, a genius when it comes to Adding mechanics that y- that you discover through organic gameplay, I think that's one of the, one of the gr- the neatest things about the Mario series is that you know I hardly ever you know I I never read the instruction manual. I mean, all those moves are in the book or in the manual, but you just kind of discover it just by playing, and it's not something it, it's not something that. It's something that you will discover on your own very soon after starting the game just by the way it's presented to you. These new mechanics are presented to you. And, you know, going into like, uh, I forget what they called it. It's when the screen went, it was a black and white. 
you know, black backdrop and everything is outlined in white. You know, Mario's running around. Less, it's like he's on a, the negative side of a picture almost. Uh, those things that you could discover just just on top on top of that that's that music soundtrack, which is again still stuck in my head. Um, that that's I think that's what makes Super Mario Brothers three my number two. Just so much fun with that game. So, Joe, what's your number two? Uh, for me, my number two, like I stated before, uh, Super Mario Kart. And the reason why, like I said, you know, besides my drunken shenanigans, um, just that game, just single player, multiplayer. There was just so much going on with that. That was like the first kart racer, really, that uh, I feel that uh, kind of encompassed the Mario universe, encompassed the Mario gameplay on there. And obviously, it's you know been as popular because you know, they've made quite a few <laughs> afterwards on that but uh, the original super mario kart uh just kind of was the jam and it was just the game of games on there so you know and now a lot of people kind of put super mario 64 as being like their entry to the uh, series but to me the super nes version um you know i would say is probably one of the better ones you know on there and probably my favorite just because of the fact of just all the enjoyment I got out of it, you know, so. Okay. Dez, what's your number one, my friend? My number one is uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Fantastic game. I think the level design is amazing. The water gun, um, being on the island, running around, everything about that game was was magical to me. I just thought that game was was fantastic. It is a classic. I would love for them to put it on a virtual console. I would buy it or a high res version, um, an up res version of it or whatever. I would I would play that if they were to release that game on the Switch. I would buy it and play it again. That game was phenomenal, fantastic. Just everything about it: the running, the jumping, the flipping. Um, great, just 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 great. Um, an honorable mention would be uh, Super Mario Galaxy. Would be the honorable mention, but I just think I think um, for me, it was Sunshine that is really just something about Sunshine. Just, just, just it's just a happy, happy game. You know, just the colors, the palette, everything about it. How you the the, the story progression, what you did, how you did it. It's fantastic. Great, great, great. Another honorable mention, real quick. No, no, I'll get my, my, my last honorable mention at the end of the at the end of this this segment. So I already gave one, which was uh Galaxies, but I have one more, but I want to see what yours number ones is. So uh Joe, what is your uh what is your number one pick? Uh, my number one pick would have to just be the original Super Mario Brothers. Like I said, it brought me back in the in the console gaming. Um I literally like played the game for months after I got it, both me and my sister on there. And um, I remember uh, finally beating it, you know, because it was a little bit of a trug, you know, you had to play for, you know, there's no save states back then, you know, you had to keep playing and, you know, using the warps. I didn't want to use the warps. I wanted to play through it from 1-1 all the way to 8-4. And so uh, I got quite a bit of enjoyment out of it. <laughs> I know, I know, but yeah, it's literally you know when I got the system, got that game, I kept playing the game for months, on that. I kept mastering it. So and trying to get used to the gamepad, of course, because you know in the arcade, you know I didn't have no gamepad, I had a stick, 
a joystick, you know, uh, all the Nintendo versus games I kind of enjoy quite a bit. I remember Festival Game Pals had the um, ones where, you know, you could sit on the kind of Japanese style where you're able to sit on one side and your opponent to sit on the other side. And so they had like golf and tennis and baseball. Nintendo baseball in the arcade is just my jam too. So, so um, getting used to the um, gamepad did take a little bit of time. But, you know, callous thumb and uh, whatnot, you know, it was well worth the time. But uh, the original SMB, good stuff. So, okay. Well, my number one is going to be Super Mario Brothers 2. And the reason why it's Super Mario Brothers 2 is because it was the first, it wasn't the first game that had a, an ending, obviously, that, that, you know, came to an end. But it was the first game that had an ending that just stuck in my mind, where you realize that that this is all a play being acted out in Mario's head. Spoiler alert. <laughs> for, for uh, what? This game's like, what, 18, 20 years, something like that, <laughs> whatever. But... Uh, I just thought that, and that in that in boss toad, uh, or wart rather, not toad, wart. I think he's a villain that I wish you know that Nintendo would utilize more in in other titles, and maybe they have. Maybe he's in some of the the RPG games that I haven't played yet. But I thought wart had a lot of character to him, and. It was it was one of it was probably one of the first boss fights that I just really enjoyed doing. So uh, and that and on top of the, the you know like like uh, uh, Des mentioned the different mechanics involved in two. Uh, I like digging, uh, getting getting the Toad character and digging all the way to the bottom of a level and you know finding some type of uh, you know item or star or something that'll give me you know let me run through the rest of the level i just for whatever reason i was kind of into like a kind of sort of into dig dug <laughs> at the time and uh, those digging sections kind of reminded me of dig dug and there was like a lot of hidden areas in the game that you had to dig to get and pulling the vegetables and throwing the vegetables was just kind of a neat little mechanic that i that i enjoyed uh messing around with hitting the shy guys up upside the head with turnips that that just didn't get old to me so you know i that game was just is just a, a classic in in my book so so that's why it is my number one so and folks um you know hit us up with your favorite uh uh your favorite titles in the in the mario universe i i know one thing i had a i had a gamecube and i never played uh uh mario i never never played that mario game you know with the flood the water gun super mario sunshine super mario sunshine I never played sunshine so good yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds like i like i like i missed out but uh, hopefully that does, like you were saying, that does come to virtual console so I can check check that game out. Uh, I've heard good things about it. I don't know why I never went and uh, never went and checked it out. Um, 
Dude, you can know. borrow it from me, man. Come on. Come I don't on. even have a GameCube. <laughs> you have a Wii? No, I don't have my Wii anymore. Mm-mm. Okay. No, I, I don't have any of that, unfortunately. Um, but, um, oh, I yeah. have one honorable mention, and that yeah. is uh, the Paper Mario series. I thought that was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked that. Another, I've always liked Mario as an RP, as an RPG character. Like the the, the platforming was always great. I know that's his roots, but I've always liked the storylines that they have done when it's been a um, an RPG. So I really like mm-hmm. that series. Yeah, that's an. I I wanted to get into the paper paper jam and what was the other one? The thousand paper more and all yeah. Those. Yeah, I wanted to get into those. I more titles that I never got into. So potential backlog additions for me there. But uh, I like that addition. I like that dis- addition discussion we had there on the Super Mario Brothers franchise. And folks, go ahead and let us know what your favorite Mario games are. Uh, if you can feel feel free to hit us at our. Twitter addresses and at our email address, which we'll give to you at the end of the show. Uh, we love hearing hearing from you and hearing what your uh, favorite games are. Always. So, and speaking of games, uh, speaking of games that we've been playing or have loved to play, uh, let's talk about some of the games we've been playing this week. Uh, so, Joe, what you been playing? What's been in your rotation, dude? Oh, what do you think? What do you think, <laughs> listeners? What do you think I've been doing? Um, it's not hard. Des- Destiny 2 is still in my veins, getting in my veins. So uh, after Iron Banner, after all of the having the week off and not playing nothing but <laughs> Destiny 2, I'm pretty much uh, dedicated uh, most of my week's gameplay to Destiny 2. Um, I was trying to do some dailies, of course, trying to, you know, running with you, Kevin, of course, uh, Mucho thanks to Surgeon Fire too to helping both me, you and uh, Desmond to finish the Nightfall mm-hmm. on there. Um, both of my characters on the uh, PlayStation Four around 295 light level, so I'm doing okay on there. Um, I got a quite a con- substantial bump in in uh, items since the Nightfall was done, and, and since I keep getting uh, higher level gear, yeah, we also. Listeners, if you didn't know, um, if you are in our clan, we have kind of put the clan on the back burner for a bit. Um, we joined Surgeon Fire's clan that he's in, there's Grumpy Gamer Saloon on there. And uh, the Gaming Vessels clan is still in existence. So if you're a listener and are in the clan, which, you know, we have a few members in there, um, continue if you want to rack up um, clan XP for gaming vessels you can or feel free to send me or kevin or desmond a message and we'll get you an invite to grumpy gamers saloon that way you can join in in all the fun festivities i just thought it would be more productive for everyone to have uh, a clan that had more members involved and since we already have some of our uh, allotted listeners i know gerald ocon's in the clan now same thing with surgeon fire so um you know if you're listening to this, and if you didn't know, we made the switch. We still have the Gaming Vessels uh, clan open. I happen to have a Japanese PSN account that uh, I created a, a hunter on, so I can move the clan over to it. So if uh, you know we experience like uh, bad gameplay in the new clan, uh, we will switch back over and make Gaming Vessels 
the clan that we want it to be. But in the meantime, you know, love being in the clan with more members. So it's just more gaming opportunities on that. So um, other games I've been playing this week, um, I finally got my 3DS out of Mothballs and uh, fired up Dragon Quest VIII. And so um, getting to point to where I'm re-familiarizing myself to no Monster where Hunter? I was at. No, no Monster Hunter yet. I'm you are go. horrible. I am going to play the demo this week. You're so. horrible. Oh, I wanted something to play that I could play on my break at work, and I kind of got refamiliarized where uh, my next point in, in Dragon Quest Eight, where I'm headed to on there. So, so um, I don't know how far you've gotten, Desmond, but I'm up to the point to where um, I'm trying to discover where uh, to get a ship so I could go sail around the world. So that's where I'm at in the game. Yeah spoiling too much uh from that point but uh other than that that's uh, pretty much been it for me so <laughs> sorry about that everybody windows open it's all good, it it's is all good. super hot in san francisco right now it is super hot and my windows open too you can hear probably some dogs barking every now and then for it's me so crazy hot over here right now <laughs> yeah so des what you been playing um, I have been playing Destiny, of course. You know, that's still the, the game du jour uh, right now. But I've also been playing um, Elix. I have been playing South Park, The Fractured Butthole. Um, actually, it's just been those games, those three games. I put Dragon's Dogma aside because I really wanted to play um, Elix and uh, South Park. And then, you know, Destiny is just Destiny. Like, you you, you got to play it, right? Yeah. So, so that those are really the only games that I've been playing mostly, you know, and it's just so, been kind of a, a, round, a, a round robin kind of thing that's been going on, you know, in my, in my house. So, what's your fun. impressions of Elix right now? I know that uh, we talked about, you know, off air uh, about, you know, as far as Leary about the combat in the game and a few reservations about it has been kind of everything that's stacked up to be uh it is a piranha bites game so uh, i know we spoke about it a little bit and i've gotten a little bit further on it so the the game world itself is really fun it's very interesting uh, a lot of reading a lot of listening a lot of a lot of dialogue i, I play the subtitles on so uh, i reading and listening at the same time so there's just a lot um, it's very dense. It's a very dense game. And they got you going around and doing all kinds of stuff. Um, combat, you kind of got to be... Combat is not fluid. I'm not going to lie to you. Combat is not fluid. There's something about the combat that is just kind of weird, you know? It's this, you know, you got to complete a swing to do another swing, to do another swing, to do another swing, you know? And then you have a, you have to manage your stamina bar and your, and your, and your combo meter as well you know so it's a very it's an elegant system but the way it is implemented is still a little janky you know it, it, it's it's kind of cool you know but it's just when you're when you're doing the hand-to-hand combat you know it's just kind of it's just it's janky it's a janky game you know as far as that because you're swinging and if you miss you know you kind of have to literally stop you know, run around until your your stamina gets back, and then you can start your combo again. Um, I haven't really got any any um, projectile weapons except for like a bow. Um, 
So it is my, it is a lot right now, a lot of like hand to hand stuff. And your companions, for whatever reason, are super stronger than you. You know, it's just really weird. So, uh, and, and I think the game balancing is really weird because there's no like the game doesn't scale to you. You know, you just get to a certain level and then you're the god of the game. You know, you can do anything. But it's just that 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 slog to getting there is really long, and I'm really starting to feel. I'm sort of starting to feel that, you know, like like you really do not feel powerful in the game. There's just a lot of other stuff in the game that can just kill you like really quickly. Um, and it just depends on where you go. And you really have to actively avoid stuff and, because you're not ready. So and and how the and how the 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 progression system is, is like there's no classes. You can either, you know, you basically join a join a faction and then you get those abilities or those or those uh, perks by being a part of that faction. You know, the berserkers are magic, sword and sword and board type people. The clerics are the the techni- techno advanced psychic people, and then the outlaws are just like the the drug addicts. You know, who just it's all anarchy. And then there's the the main evil people. You know, so you you, you basically join one of those factions. But the the thing is, it's like you you get these you level up and you get all these attribute points like you get like 10 attribute points and you can just dump them anywhere you know whatever you want you know you start with 10 and then you just kind of build it from there and then you have these things called training points where you have to meet people throughout the world that will train you up to do stuff so so you can your your character can get stronger but they just don't learn anything until you meet someone that can teach you something which is an interesting system it's just they're hidden everywhere. It's like you can't like there, there's no I, I just got to run around and try to find these people to learn what I want to do, you know, yeah. and, and until you find that person, you're kind of asked out. So like and then when you find that person, you have to make sure that your your abilities or your, your ability scores are high enough. Like like if you if you want to learn how to you know hold a rifle or something, you have to have a certain amount of strength and a certain amount of like dexterity. You know, at the beginning of the game, you just don't have that stuff. So, so, and and you can't just kill mobs because you don't get a lot of experience points. You literally have to play the game and complete quests to get a sizable chunk of experience in order to level up to get yeah. going. So, so it's just, and the, the problem though is it's like you can literally run around, you know, and and just get your ass kicked. <laughs> you know? I was watching some let's plays yeah. and I uh, saw this one guy just severely underpowered the NPCs the characters were all around with was literally killing everything for him, you know, because yeah, the fact that he didn't know what he was, you know, up to and trying to get used to the game and everything. So, but and that's a problem because like, I don't want to, you know, have my NPC doing everything. Like I want to be an active part of the combat and it's very hard to do that at the, at the, at the beginning levels. It's just, you just, you just can't, you know, and it's and that and that's one thing that's really that like I'm really kind of struggling with because like I like the game, I like the I like what's happening in it. Like I like I like running around and meeting the people and doing the adventure and you know yada yada yada. It's just the problem is just it's just I don't it's just really hard you know to you know you really just gotta you just really kind of got gotta play the game. You know what I am liking though is is when you when you you have multiple ways of figuring stuff out you know and and solving problems so i'm just going on doing how i think i should be doing stuff and i'm completely fucking up left and right you know things are going differently than what i expected people are acting different you know people are dying that that i that i thought wouldn't die and so it's just really changing the experience and so i'm really it, it, it 
you really have to fight your want to restart the game or change up something because you didn't think it was going to go that way and then it did you know and like it's just very it's just an interesting play mechanic because you know you you expect certain things to happen but that happens a different way and then you know you want to restart the game but then you kind of don't because you want to see what's going to happen next so and that's been like four different times when something has happened something very crucial has happened that i didn't think was going to happen so there's like multiple things in multiple ways you can um you can uh, solve quests so in that aspect the, the storytelling and the narrative of the story is fun it's interesting you know but the 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 gameplay the actual attacking fight combat stuff and the level progression system is a bit it's a bit tedious and you really have to put forth effort to want to um to play the game and it's getting to the point where i'm not sure how much i want to continue with all the other games coming out like you know and then to top it all off you know, it it kind of it kind of buckles a little bit because it has an auto feed save feature, and when it auto face auto saves, the whole game just stops for a minute. It kind of it kind of stutters for a minute. And oh I was, wow! And I'm just like, damn, you know, that's one thing. Uh, sound levels for some reason are not. It seems like the sound levels aren't EQ'd right. It's just there's this, these little bugs, you know, that 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 pop up, and then the game actually crashed on me. So I was like, oh okay. So I've not I've had a game crash on me, you know. In a very long time, you know. Well, since Destiny, you know. <laughs> but this is but this game's not on a surfer though, so it's like like I don't understand why it would need to do that. So, but that was a long-winded uh-huh. uh, story to tell you just that. You know, Elix is interesting. If you're gonna buy it, definitely wait for a sale. Um, you know, because it, it'll be it'll be lower priced. You know, but it's yeah. it's in the same genre as like a two worlds, a two worlds two, or. Uh, Risen in the Risen series, of course, you know, so it's a, that type of game. Yeah. It doesn't really compare to like uh, um, Elder Scrolls or Fallout. No. I mean, no, it's it's a completely different beast. Um, yeah, which is which is fine. You know, they're they're this is a much lower studio. You know, it is not. It is definitely not. You know, AAA at all or any or any um, stretch of the imagination. So I think they only really got need to curb your. You really need to curb your expectations if you pick this game up. Like you really yeah. have to kind of want, you know, you kind of really have to want to play this game and 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 do it and understand it. Um, because if you don't, um, you're you're not gonna like the, you're not gonna like your experience. And I, and I've watched let's plays and I've watched people who have been really really like you know lovingly like oh this game is amazing blah 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 and I'm like okay like I can see it there. But it just needs that. It just needs that polish. It just needs that polish to make it just a little bit better. But um, but I'll continue to play it for a little while longer. Um, yeah. South Park is so great. Is, is it Euro Jank? Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what it is. It is a. Okay. It is. It, it is the epitome of Euro Jank. You know everything, like the character designs, every the way they talk. You know, it's this gruff. You know, I I am the protagonist. I have to I have to go and I have to <laughs> save everybody, you know. And so people and like it's just weird. It's just weird. And then like there's certain things that people will say. It's like he's like, you know, this is such and such. Like he says one of the things is like <laughs> like he he comes out right and he gets shot down. The main guy and he gets up and he's like it's like all this exposition. Like he wakes up and he's like, my armor is gone. This is he Dan. I have to like cross you know 
thousands of kilometers of, of hostile territory. What could go wrong? And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> like, it's, some of the dialogue is very cringeworthy. And I'm just like, <laughs> and then he says, like, and then he says, I need to find a weapon. Right. He says that. And then he pulls out a lead pipe. And I'm like, oh, that was easy. You know? <laughs> it's like, OK, so it's a certain it's a certain things. And like someone will ask, like, will you find my bow? But the bow is on the person's back. And you're like, hmm. You know? <laughs> it's like, just little things like that. You're like, OK, so you just have to exactly you just have to curb your expectations. I just want to play it and see like like I just want to see what some of the other systems are. You know, I think at some point because you suffer so long at the beginning once you be once you start you know whooping ass like it must feel very very gratifying because you are a gnat compared to other things in the game just ugh. so that was a well, lot about elix i'm sorry if people don't care about no, that it's game, interesting but, it's interesting that's why i was a asking lot about you. it but, uh, i know to me um I might just decide to play Risen 3 first. I have it on the backlog. No. Picked it up on PSN for five bucks you shouldn't uh, play for it. PS4. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's a, it's a, these games are a, are a straight progression. You know, each, each game is them getting a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit, a little bit better. So it's one of those things where you really do not need to go backwards with this company. Um, although people say that the Gothic series, especially Gothic 2, is just like, you know the bee's knees. It's like everything. It's just like ah, oh, you know, it's beautiful. People love it. So, but I don't know. It's crazy. But that was a lot. So <laughs> I do hope that you know uh, you guys will give it a chance. If you do give it a chance, uh, just know that uh, temper your expectations. That's it. But um, so, Joe, what have you been playing, my friend? I already went, actually. Uh, it's Kevin that needs oh, to sorry, go, sir. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I didn't realize how, much, how long I spoke. I spoke for so long about this damn game. I'm sorry, everybody. Kevin, what did you... What have you been playing? I mean, I know, I know, I know one of the things you've been playing. I mean, come on. Let's be well, you know, obviously Destiny 2. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about that game. Um, but... I'm enjoying I'm enjoying my my freedom from persona, you know, my 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 post persona game time has really expanded. I've gone back and I'm trying to rectify one of the the grossest oversights. Not a gross oversight, but from the standpoint that I had the game, so I purchased it, it's been sitting in my backlog all this time, but barely touched. And that is near Automata, uh, the Platinum Games joint. Uh, yeah, I need to, play, I need to play that too. Eight, eight, the A team, uh, the A coders that that made this. This game is phenomenal. Um, I honestly just just from the early stage that I'm at in this game, um, I've complete. For those who remember the demo or played the demo, I've completed that section, and I'm starting. Uh, the the areas following following up on that, man. This this game is so good. From the combat to the enemies that you that you encounter, to the design of of your uh, protagonists, so unique. It is so. It is very you know, for lack of a better phrase, it's very Japanese, and that's what I love about it. It is just 
the combat is just silky smooth. There is a, a it is almost uh, rhythmic in your defenses. It is when you when you do a just defend, your character who is an android kind of does the it, it kind of goes into like this uh, this this phase shift where she can't be hit. And if you can repeatedly do that, get the timing of that right, you can phase through pretty much anything and get to and maneuver yourself into an advantage in combat where you can really uh, lay in the hurt. And you can do that on bosses. You can do that on sub-bosses. You can do that on the enemies that you find on the battlefield. There's a story brewing up, you know, bringing into 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 play this, you know, what is AI, you know, what is um, what makes something, you know, cognizant, self-aware. There, there's a whole bunch of these little these uh, philosophical things going on, and you can already see where the main character is going to is going to begin questioning some of the things that have been programmed, literally programmed, because she is an android, literally programmed into her head that uh, their masters are telling her, you know, well, you need to do this, that, and the other, be willing to sacrifice this, that, and the other for the greater good. And she's all like, you know, as you can tell that she's already starting to question uh, some of of those, uh, you know, prime directives, if you will. And I thoroughly enjoying where this game is going and the combat is just is just divine so near automata is i don't know had i played this game before persona i don't know if, if uh, <laughs> you know persona is, gonna, is always going to be up there but you know i don't know um uh, Near Automata is is just it is a platinum joint, and I am a platinum fanboy, and it is just it super good. Um, also playing a little bit of Mafia Three, continuing that story. Um, I'm really I'm enjoying Mafia Three for the story. Uh, the gameplay is a little. I don't want to say bland because it is fun. It's it, it's actually very fun, uh, but I don't know. It, it it's just it's kind of odd. Like um, I acquired uh, the sign. There's really only two weapons that you need in the game. Only two weapons that you need. That's the silenced handgun and the silenced uh, submachine gun. Or the silenced, uh, there's, I think there's also a silenced rifle. Any silenced weapon that you have kind of sort of breaks the combat because while you're attacking in it, you're going into a stronghold and laying waste to, to all the, all the, all the, you know, Southern racist Trump supporters, whatever you want to call them that are in there. I mean, this is 1960. 67 68 so you know and you're in louisiana and you're a black dude so yeah there's a there there's a lot of racial hostility thrown your way and uh i respond to it with my with a silenced 45 into a bunch of racist skulls so i kind of like that but 
it kind of breaks the, the the sequence of the game because you can literally be laying waste to a stronghold, but because you're using silenced weapons, the cops can o- will only respond to your gunfire. They won't respond to anybody else's gunfire. So it's like they automatically know that, oh, it's it's it, it's Lincoln who's shooting, so we gotta go and deal with it, deal with him. But everybody else is not using silenced weapons, only you are. So you can basically just go in and kill everybody. And as everybody returns fire toward you, there have been times where I fit just literally killed gunned a dude down on my way out of an outpost. And there's a cop who sees me do it. But because I'm using a silenced weapon, it's like it never happened. And I don't even have the perk where I that, don't you the, just like oh well. yeah I don't even have the perk where the the where your crimes are overlooked because you bribe the 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 police in that area I don't have that perk activated I don't even I haven't even earned it yet he he literally he there's no way he couldn't have seen it happen but because I'm using a silence weapon it's like hey I didn't see nothing I didn't hear that <laughs> I just you know, just kind of stroll on out after killing, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 people in that stronghold. But, you know, the gunplay is fun, if not, but it is broken. It It is broken, particularly once you use the silenced weapons. Um, and I don't use the the regular guns because then it goes all the way on the other end. You can't get anything done because when you get in a gunfight, here come the cops. You know, it's like, okay, so I'll never, there's not a happy medium with that, but the story is very well written. The characters that you come across, that you're doing missions for to get certain perks as you take over uh, this this crime boss's territory, the story that's in, that's that's in that is fantastic. Um, I'm going to hold on to Mafia Three because I want to play the the DLC uh, that that has since come out for it. Um, if you can overlook the broken combat <laughs> once you get the silenced weapons, which you get fairly early on, or you have the opportunity to get fairly early on, it's still a fun game, but uh, it does have its problems. So. Playing Mafia 3, um, just about every night before I go to bed, I play a round of Everybody's Golf. That is a fun arcade golf game, y'all. If if, you, if you're not on that, if you have any kind of soft spot for arcade golf games, and the only one I really have, the only two that I have experience with is, is uh, Nintendo Golf and uh, Hot Shocks Golf, which is what Everybody's Golf is. Um, playing, I've played... Not all of the games, but I played them on PSP. I played them on Vita, and now I'm playing Everybody's Golf on PS4. Just a lot of fun. Um, real easy to pick up and play. There is a lot of skill involved in it, particularly when you start dealing with you know wind and in wind as you're trying to get those get your get your those shots on the green. But it's it's just very very fun. And uh, lastly, I've been playing uh, uh, Shadow of Loot Box or or Shadow of Ripoff, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, I'm playing Shadow of War, and <laughs> this this game, 
I have not opened up the part where you start doing the sieges yet. I'm still working my way toward that point in the game, but I am really liking the combat. I'm glad I picked it up because I'm glad that the combat did not take a backseat to the sieges, the castle sieges, uh, the fortress sieges that you do and acquiring different orcs and whatnot. Because right now, I'm just, I'm at the point where I haven't opened up the part where I can gain allies or take over allies yet. Um, you lose that in the beginning of the game for whatever reason. Um, and there's story elements that don't really make a whole lot of sense, but right now I'm just kill I'm just going from captain to captain to captain, just try and you use that. I see what the game is telling is trying to get you to do. It's trying to get you the earn, get you the money and get you the experience so that you can take on these different captains and get better gear. So when you get to those sieges, you're going to be a little bit better prepared. So I see how that's working. And I guess the loot box thing comes in where it's like, well, I don't want to do all this grinding from one captain to the other captain to the other captain. I don't want to fight all these dudes. I'd rather just get the loot box and try to get my stuff that way. So th there is a grind to this game. There is a grind to it that is not in the first game. But because I love the combat so much and I love lopping off orc heads, I'll be doing the grind. <laughs> you know, and play, the using matters, the nim you know? yeah, and using the nemesis system. Like I just like tonight, I just unlocked the ability to to threaten a captain. So when I get to an orc who has information when i interrogate him up until up until now i only my only choice is to kill him but because i've opened up the ability to send a death threat um i can um have him like say a low level orc captain i can send a death threat to him he'll 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 level up you know, get it, get more bodyguards or whatever. And I can send like one, one. I know in the in the game prior, you could stack like two death threats and bring a low level orc all the way up to dang near nearly a an Uruk level. But I can when I go and send the death threat, and then I fight him. He's going to be better prepared, better armored. His weaknesses and strengths will have changed considerably, and it'll be a harder fight. But when I beat him. I get better gear. And unlike the game prior, where you're getting runes, high-level runes that you equip to your weapons, which never change, you're getting gear in this game. So you're getting a new cloak. You're getting boots and armor sets, and you're getting swords and daggers. So you're, you're, up, you're literally upgrading your equipment but on top of that, there are stones that you can attach to, kind of like the Materia system from Final Fantasy VII, and that different different stones add different attributes to the gear that you have. So there's a lot of um, uh, there is a certain amount of of item management that you're doing, and but I like the grind, so I don't mind doing it, and you know I'm having a lot of fun with the game, so. So definitely Shadow of War. I'm in it for the I'm in it for the long haul. Uh, loot boxes or not, because <laughs> I'll be I'm grinding out in game and not worrying about the rest of the stuff. But uh, 
So, folks, that's what we've been playing this week. And we didn't get any feedback, so our vessel line is empty. But uh, we've got some we've got some news nuggets for you. So, Trader Joe, why don't you hit us up with those extra extra news articles you got for the week? All right. Now, one thing and first news story I'm going to kind of cover, but we'll probably cover at a later point in time with some more impressions. I just want to get it out there is that the um, Xbox One um, promised backwards compatibility with the original Xbox is out. It came out earlier today on there and so uh, they announced this yesterday uh, which would have been on october 23rd on there uh, they have 13 titles uh, that is available for download on here and that includes such games as star wars knights of the old republic uh, ninja gate in black uh, crimson skies uh, prince of persia sands of time the first one uh, psychonauts uh, dead to rights black which is the game from criterion from ea um, Grabbed by the Ghoulies, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, uh, Red Faction 2, uh, and then maybe some questionable uh, selections, including Blood Rain 2. And then they also have King of Fighters Neo Wave, along with uh, Fusion Frenzy, which, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, you know, bad party game. But uh, um, basically, these games are all available on the Xbox Store for $9.99, just in case you don't own a physical disc on these, if you want to play. And so um, I haven't really watched any videos yet as far as seen, but uh, each game's resolution will be upgraded to 1080p on there. Um, I know with Crimson Skies, I believe, because of the fact that the game is not uh, full screen, um, it was uh, letterboxed on there, so... So, and uh, we'll have to see uh, what comes about on here. Um, you know, I'm hoping that the original Fable comes out eventually. Um, I know there's also Fable Anniversary, but uh, any um, comments, you guys, Kevin in particular, uh, about the, um, these games that just got announced? Are you looking forward to, once you get your Xbox One X, to fire up a couple of these at least? Yeah, Um and plus, they're, they're, they were saying that one, some Microsoft exec was talking about, I think they've upped the resolution four times on the Xbox One S. And I guess it's supposed to be 14 or 18 times on the One X. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, there's another based news story. Based on his tweet. Yeah, there's another news story, too, that they're upraising some xbox 360 games for the xbox one x which we'll cover in a bit so yeah he was talking specifically with regards to the uh the original xbox uh titles and i i'll, I'll tell you i'll be getting uh well i i do have nin i do have a copy of ninja gaiden it is not ninja gaiden black it is the first one um but i i had the so I'll have to check. I don't know if my 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 physical copy will actually work uh, with you know what, if it'll actually work or not. But for sure, I'm getting Ninja Gaiden Black. For sure, I'm getting Crimson Skies, uh, and for sure, I'm getting Dead to Rights because although that game was kind of janky, uh, it was still a lot of fun, kind of oh, yeah. like Max Payne kind of way. Uh, so I will for sure I'm getting those three. Um, but 
as I've said, and I still stand by this statement, uh, when you're the biggest attraction to your platform is 15 year old games, you're doing it wrong. And that's really that's really all I can say. It, it, well, it's it's I, a nice it's a nice because it's, it's a nice, fact that, but it should be the dessert, not not the main course. Of course, yeah. So I know a lot of Xbox fans were looking forward to this, and there's nothing wrong with looking forward to a little back and pat. You know whether you know you actually want to go back and play these games. I mean, hell, I got an Xbox still <laughs> in my household right now. I can you know if I really wanted to play them. In their original resolution, I could bust them up. But uh, Desmond, do you have any desire? Like, once you do get your Xbox One S, are you going to be up in that Kotor like no one's business? Or why has got to be uh, Kotor? Yeah, because yeah, I know right. you. I, I love that game. I I, I know you like <sighs> back of my hand, sir. Yes, I will probably be getting it. And uh, yeah, I think it's really great. You know, I think this is a. a this is something that's necessary. It's needed. I really am just excited as hell. You know, um, backwards compatibility, you know, say what you will. I think it's fun. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely not hurting the platform at all. So, so yeah, let's do this. So, yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from too, Kevin. I mean, I hope Microsoft does come up the business on here next year or you know get their first party games kind of in order but uh you know this you know this yeah. is a nice you know whipped cream and cherry on top i could say um based yeah. based on uh, what their uh, the person in charge of their first party uh relations or first and i think second party relations said i'm not holding out too much hope really <laughs> we'll we'll see not holding out hope Probably no, not not when not when she's talking about uh, uh, you know wanting to when they were there they were oh gosh and I I saw a YouTube video about it they were talk she was talking about um, how they want to make games uh, more marketable <laughs> and push towards uh, uh, push towards you know things like Game Pass and. You know, she was saying that that their 2017 lineup is just filled with exclusive experiences that can only be had uh, on the Xbox. And she was saying that, uh, you know, it's like, are you are you even paying attention? You know, but their focus is on games as a service. And and I guess if you just understand that and, and know that that's where their primary focus seems to be. Unless things change, um, you're just okay. I'm 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 looking at third party and I'm looking at backwards compatible uh, stuff, and that's yeah. basically what Xbox is. You can either like it or lump it, one or the other. You know, like I said, I'm only getting it so I can play with my nephews, and you know, they got Ninja Gaiden Black. That's really the only place I can play that game at. So, where am I gonna go? <laughs> I just that yeah. screen that game. Oof, wow, I sure that game being super hard. <laughs> as far as games, if um, I'm gonna go back and see, um, I have to dig through my library see if I own Black for Xbox. Uh, I know I have it for PS2. Hope I have it for Xbox because that game, that game, that first person shooter from Criterion, love it, love it. Yeah, I think it, it encompassed at the time. 
just sound design and just the, the the craziness of guns, you know. Got to hand it out to the burnout team, kind of bring that craziness in there. And then Prince of Persia Sands of the Time on there. There was an HD like remaster on the PS3 uh, that brought the first three Prince of Persia games, but I don't think it did uh, the games justice. And so I'd love to go back and, and take a peek at those and see how well they've aged on there because those are excellent action adventure games for sure. So. Yeah, the Prince of Persia games are amazing. You know, I I really enjoyed those games. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll fire up the Xbox One and see on it. You know, I haven't had much reason to turn mine on since I bought it, and give me kind of a better idea for that. So, and another uh, benefit too um, on Xbox One X on there is that some 360 games are going to be receiving enhancements on there and so uh one thing to keep in mind keep it out once the uh, system does come out on november the 7th is that there's only four 360 games that will feature xbox one x enhancements right now um that's including assassin's creed one uh elder scrolls uh for oblivion uh fallout 3 and halo 3 and what they're planning on doing on the xbox one x is these 360 games will run at a Higher resolution, they're going to run at nine times the original pixel count and with expanded color details on there. So um, they named it the, the Hoochie method, which is named after the Microsoft engineer who developed it. And they're working on um, leveraging the power of the Xbox One X dun, 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 to let the Xbox 360 uh, emulator present all the best versions of the game possible with the existing assets without touching the game code on there. So... So interesting that they're working on enhancing Xbox 360 games as well on there. Um, any excitement, Kevin? I know you got the system coming down the pike, and I know those four games are not exactly – maybe Assassin's Creed 1. But I know you could fire up your gaming PC and play all, yeah. all of these in super the greatest mode, probably even more than the 360 versions that are coming out. So Yeah, um, there's not really a whole lot of um... – there's not really a whole lot of there's a far far more excitement for what's coming from the original Xbox lineup. Uh, really, nothing in the 360 upgrades that really grabs my attention. You know, like you said, I've got a gaming PC. If I really want to play those games, um, I I would just play them there. But you mm. know, Ninja Gaiden two maybe. If they if they had Ninja Gate, I still have Ninja Gate too. It, it's cracked, so I don't know if the system would recognize it as as a license only. But I I never got rid of it. And I still have it on my shelf. Uh, and if they ever came out with Ninja Gate two, then yeah, I'm 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 there day one. It, it is just you know where else am i going to go for other than xbox for ninja gaiden that's you know that's just another reason for <laughs> for this 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 my 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 interest in having this console is just like you know a couple of threads and you know gaming with family which which is first and foremost and then getting a hold of a handful of um and the potential for more original Xbox games and Ninja Gaiden on 360. That's, you know. We'll see. You might dabble, and, you know, especially with the, all the features that 
Xbox One X is supposed to have. I mean, I don't know. Were you, I know you're thinking about buying Assassin's Creed Origins on it, right? Uh, I might. I might. I played. I played all the other Assassin's Creeds on PlayStation. I might just get it. Uh, get it on the Xbox One just so I have something new to play on it. That's what I was thinking uh, about doing. I mean, I, yeah, yet, so. I mean, I needed if I'm going to take the time to buy it, you know, I yeah. gotta have something to play. Have some software on it, yeah. so I'll, I will probably so. do that. But um, you know, when you don't have a first party, yeah, you kind of this is what you have to do. You know, I'll you know. Say what you say what you will, but first party games mean a lot. At least they do to me. You know, yeah. other people it, it may it may not matter all that much. You know, you're, yeah. you're in it for whatever for whatever you're getting out of your gaming platform. But so, Desmond, you have a new 4K TV. Um, Stop it! I know you're. Okay. Stop it! <laughs> I'm not enabling you. I'm just asking your interest. You're just like, eh, eh, eh. so I, I know, know you're, what you're big, doing. Uh, you're a big Oblivion fan, I know. I know what you're doing. Uh, no, I know you like Fallout Three quite a bit. Are you are you steered or you say hails in the know like no. you're doing right now? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I have it. Where I have it where I need it. I can play it on my on my uh, PS4. I don't need anything else. No, no. Oh, that's Skyrim, not Oblivion, sir. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. Okay. I know you're buying an Xbox One S, so I don't know no, if you're I'm looking. I'm probably not with... gonna. I mean, I I, I don't want to say no. I might, but at this time, I'm just kind of like you know, eh. You know, I just have to, you know, I just have to say no. Okay. Well, <laughs> this this is the uh, topper on all the Xbox One X and all the Microsoft discussion. Uh, earlier this month during a live stream announcement uh, they did announce uh, some big announcements for the Halo franchise um, they got Xbox One X patches and ongoing support for Halo 5 on there they're going to get an Xbox One X update on there they're also enhancing Halo Wars 2 which is the real time RTS game that's on Xbox One and PC and they're going to get the quote unquote visual upgrades on the new console and the big kicker, though, is the announcement that they are going to eventually work on Halo the Master Chief Collection to get that uh, series of games up to snuff. Uh, that game, series of games, kind of the collection kind of was left kind of dangling like uh, in the wind a bit because the fact that they had numerous developers working on it uh, didn't come up to where all the games were performing properly. The matchmaking was janked. And a lot of people wanted to see them fix the game and finally get it to where it is indeed playable. Uh, there was a desire during the live stream that 343 kind of feels that uh, they made a big mistake with the Master Chief Collection. And they want to go forward to modernize it and get it up to snuff so it plays good on Xbox One X. And God forbid, actually plays good and well on Xbox One as well. So uh, it's good to see that they're um, getting it back on board on there. Part of this 343 is going to be launching a flighting program for the Master Chief Collection where players can volunteer to test new patches on this. This is beginning going to begin in spring of 2018 on there. You think it's too far along as far as time frame, you guys, as far as starting to say, oh, we're going to release patches beginning spring of next year to fix this game. Uh, it would seem that they should just kind of get on the horn and get going 
on it. What's your guys' opinion, Kevin? Um, I think even though it's coming late, I think Halo is just such a big franchise. I mean, let's face it, that's what that's Halo is the reason most of the Xbox game. I think most of the Xbox gamers are Xbox gamers. Uh, I think it's Halo is what brought them onto the platform. So I don't think it's too little too late. Um, I know for me, I, I've played one, two, and a little bit of three, and a little bit of Reach. So the Master Chief Collection, I would be interested, you know, Maybe if I can, you know, get it on the cheap somewhere. Yeah, you could get a digital code on the cheap. I think I got one for like less than fifteen bucks. Yeah, it would. It, yeah, and it would just be to to play the primarily the Bungie Halo games, uh, because I I I've never one and two are the only ones that I actually finished. Uh, yeah. I never finished the, any of the others in the series, so uh, it would be interesting to do that. The multiplayer stuff, I have zero interest in, so I'm, I would only be in it for the, the, the campaign. Yeah. Now, I know with Halo 5, they are introducing an overtime program for the game, so they're kind of saying they're going to run some enhancements, including the Xbox One X support and uh, some additional multiplayer stuff where they're trying to kind of build momentum. That's almost where you're seeing Halo has evolved as um, as more of a game as a service versus just being a game because they're working on enhancing it years after it's been released. So, mm. Halo so. 5 I did not like at all. And it was primarily because of the 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 AI, your partner AI that's supposed to revive you. Uh, multiple times I'd get killed and my AI partners are just like literally standing around my my blasted corpse just kind of looking at me. <laughs> you know, not doing not doing anything to resuscitate me. Yeah, you know, uh, and, you know, I'm not the best FPS player in the world, even on campaign mode. So when I go and get myself killed, if I'm there with other AI characters, you know, it it it, it and, and I drop dead right in front of them. It's not like they had to go on a hunt and look for my corpse to revive it. I'm like literally right in front of the dude and they're just. They're literally just standing around, just, just, you know. Yeah, I'm glad the the mother f is dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I didn't like him no way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they that's gotta work. But I don't I don't think I'll be going back to five. It it. I'll I'll stick with Master Chief Collection if I get that and and call yeah. it call it a Halo day. Yeah, I do own it. I kind of want to see where Bungie has been before. I've dabbled in uh, Halo 1, 2, and, and 3, but I haven't really played any of the ODST or Reach, any of the other games in the series. And I, I kind of I yearn to see what Bungie got up to that point to release Destiny and kind of relieve Microsoft's like you know warm, nestling nipple you know, to be able to go and do what they do on their own. So. <laughs> So, 
uh, just satisfy. I'm probably be dabbling. Give me a reason to turn on my Xbox One too. So, well, did you hear about that? I guess um, they had posted. I, I can't remember what it was, but someone had wrote this giant, super long um, exposition about why, you know, not why, but just like it's like the the whole Halo years. Someone wrote like a, an article um, about it. Um, you know, talking about like the Bungie Halo years, you know, and what they've did and and why they did it, and just the foundation. Talk to a couple of people who made Halo, you know, who who no longer are Bungie employees, you know, just stuff like that. Um, might be something that if you're interested, you know, if you're really super interested in finding out, you know, the the Halo franchise and stuff like that, you know, you you might want to check it out. I, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of it, but it was. Um, I'm sure if you do a search for it, you know, yeah, yeah, you can find it. But it talks very in detail about about Halo and and you know Bungie and and all that stuff. So probably Microsoft trying to milk the series. You know, that's probably the one of the reasons why Bungie left Microsoft is just because of the you know thing about just creatively that they're just you know milking it to death on there at that point and you know it's good that they separated you know because obviously um bungie wanted to do destiny or something of that nature and glad they were able to do what they needed to do on there so not good for my backlog though so <laughs> <laughs> oh in other news this week uh nintendo has a surprise surprise has announced a new version of the 3DS XL, a uh, 3DS XL SNES edition is coming to North America next month, just in time for Thanksgiving and Black Friday. So it's going to be Woo-hoo! released on November 27th, 2017 on there. will include a full um, code for Super Mario Kart, the SNES game, uh, included right in the box on there. It was up for pre-order on both Amazon and at GameStop on there. Um it looks exactly like a Purple Beast SNES American, you know, with the power uh, reset buttons on the face, top of the uh, system, and then inside, of course, the colors of the buttons are a, a gray and purple on the inside, kind of aping the uh, SNES controller uh, for that. So pretty sweet-looking gray con- uh, system, so... Um, you know, I'm not sure as far as I'm going to trade in my current uh, 3DS XL to get this one. But uh, you know, for you nostalgia buffs, I know I talked to a friend at work and he said he, as soon as he saw that, it's like day one, he just pre-ordered it. So, mm-hmm. Any thoughts, guys? you think it's an interesting look or you have that nostalgia for SNES to maybe pick up one of these? Not for two hundred bucks. I was just thinking the same thing, Kev. I was just like, you know what? I'm still on the hook for. A, I am perfectly happy uh, with my two DS XL. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would be per- perfectly well with it too. I'm uh, once I see you guys have a senior person since you bought it. I'm kind of curious to check it out because uh, kind of want to weigh the differences between the two platforms. To me, that that the orange and white console that just brought out for the Nintendo. Uh, uh, 2ds XL just looks super sexy to me too. I love that color scheme. So, you know, so. If, if you know if there's a trade of Palooza or something, and uh, you know maybe then, but um, I, I just I, I just don't 
the the 2DSX, I, I really don't care about the features on the 3DS that the 2DS XL leaves out. You know, it just has, you know, the two screens and the stylus and the, you know, the gyroscope that's, that's in the camera. That's, that's really all that's, that's, that's in there and whatever else that the 3DS does that the 2DS doesn't in the games that I've played, I haven't missed it, you know, so. Yeah. I don't be curious to see. I don't know if you ever played 3DS games with 3D, some, 3D enhancements are really just, especially with the new yeah, Metroid. I've tried it, and it makes my eyes hurt. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, never really, I never really got into it. Even with my other one, I always just left it. With my 3DS, I always never, I just never turned on. Just, I get it. I get what you're, I get what they're trying to do. I get what it's about, but just no, just never really. Yeah. It's not for it me. might be the it might be the point that you guys only tried it on the uh, original 3ds XL now no, on I the new on 3ds. Yours. Oh yeah, have you? Okay. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I tried it on the original. Yeah, I tried it, it on my yours. eyeballs ache. It was just one of those things where I was just like, it wasn't for me, and I'm just like, okay, it's great. It's a great thing. People will love it, you know. But you know, just yeah, I'm fine. All right. In other news this week, um, Atlas has finally revealed the official title of the new Shin Megami Tensei game. It's going to be called, unsurprisingly, it's called Shin Megami Tensei 5. On there, there was a teaser trailer that came up over the weekend on there. Um, shows two uh, high school students, of course. <laughs> high school students. Uh, uh, dun, yes. dun, dun, dun. Walking around the JR area, the Shinagawa uh, station in Tokyo. Then the scene cuts to a carnage of demons in an uh, underground tunnel. And the same, stu- stu- same two students are attacked by demons in the ruined city, which is oh, identified no. as still being Tokyo oh, by the no. presence of the Tokyo Tower in the background. And so um, good teaser trailer. Um, it's definitely on its way for the Nintendo Switch. If you haven't uh, known uh, Shimagami Tensei, basically it's the parent series of the uh, Persona series, which I know, Kevin, you love near and dear on there. Um, and so have you guys had a chance to check out any of the screenshots or the intro video for this? Uh, are you looking forward to playing your Shimagami Tensei 5 on the Switch? Nope, I am not a fan. So <laughs> I've never been a fan of it. Just not my cup of tea. And I've tried very uh, various ones. Devil Summoner was the only one that I actually sort of got into because I really liked the um, I really liked the uh, the um, the era in which it was done. in. you know, it was, you know, the the the. That old timey, you know, kind old-timey, of old timey, like 1900s. Yeah. Japan, yeah. So I like that. That shit was fun to me. But for the most yeah. part, I'm just like, nope. So, yeah. Too much, uh, too many horror references and yeah, demons. Just like, yeah. Being... yeah. I'm, I think, I, I think I've, I'm going to just stick with Persona. Um, I know this is where Shin Megami is where it started, but, um, I think Damon had one of the, the Shin Megami Tensei games for PlayStation 2 and back in the day, and he was showcasing one of them to me. And it just, uh, for whatever reason, it just never never really grabbed me. So, yeah, I, I'll probably be passing on this one, too. Yeah. 
What well, about you, Joe? I'm, you going to get it? I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. You know, it's like uh, I played Nocturne on the uh, Shin Megami Tensei, which I believe is uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 on the PlayStation 2, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, I got Strange Journey Redux, which is coming out for this 3DS in early uh, 2018. I pre-ordered as well, so I'll let you guys know once I do get that, uh, what I think of the game and the series overall on there. Shimagai My Tensei 4 came out for the 3DS. It's in my backlog. So I'd love to get back to it at some point on there and give it a go. You know, so. So. All right. Another news this week. Uh, this is next news story is going to have reactions from certain uh, hosts of this podcast. So um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z has a <laughs> release date. Dun, dun, dun. It's coming out yeah. for PS4. Xbox One and PC release date's going to be January 26, 2018. On there, it's a solid date. Uh, Pre-orders are up on all the um, downloadable stores, you know, Xbox uh, on the Xbox Store, uh, PSN, as well as Steam on there. So um, you're able to get all the characters in the game. And then they also announced... Dun, 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 a season pass as well. So the season pass is going to include eight new characters added to the character roster on the original game on there. Um, it's going to cost $35 on there. So uh, they have not uh, hinted as far as which characters will be included in the $35 season pass, but um, it's going to feature eight new playable characters. And each fighter comes with respective stamps, lobby, avatars, and alternative colors as well on there. So, so Kevin, I'm going to throw this over to you. Super excited for the game getting in a release date, but what's your opinion on the super, price and the season super pass? Super excited, yeah. Uh, super excited for the game. Uh, this season pass is as shady as all get out because you in the collector's edition, you don't get the season pass. And if you're that was, you know, one of the things that I always associated with buying the collector's edition, aside from all the little trinkets and things that you get that are just going to sit somewhere and collect dust if you don't have them in a, you know, in a shelf somewhere, is that you get the season's pa- the season pass. Um, 36 bucks for eight characters is retarded. That, that pricing is horrible. Am I going to buy it? Yes, I will, uh, because I'm a DB Dragon Ball fanatic. Uh, that's that's just you know. So call me a hypocrite if you want to. I'll 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 carry. I'll hold that L. <laughs> but uh, but this is redunculous. Thirty six dollars for eight characters. That. I, I'm I'm sorry, and and it's not part of the collector's edition. I'm not I'm not happy about that. Am I going to oh. pay it? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> they well, speak- they also said that in there's a an anime fighting tournament that's coming up in the next few weeks. I can't remember what date it, it is, but the first of those eight characters are going to be released are going to be announced at that tournament. Um, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, uh, and I think the person talking accidentally leaked the first character. 
Um, I think I think is going to be I, my money is that it's Beerus based on what this individual was saying. Uh, and if that's the case, that's cool. I know Beerus is, is dope, but this pricing is so the way that the way that it's being pitched is just wrong. You, it should have been a part of the collector's edition. Well, speaking of the collector's edition, let's go and go over what's in the collector's edition. Um, it's going to retail for $140, and it's going to include yeah. the cop- copy of the game. going to include a seven-inch statue what? of Goku <laughs> with exclusive manga dimension coloring, a steelbook case, and three art boards on there yeah. in a collector's 100, box. $140, and it does not include the collector's pack. That is effery. I'm sorry. That that is effery right there. Oh. And and I am a Dragon Ball Z super duper the greatest fan. I am I am this is one of the most this is the one of the games that I'm most hyped about for next year. I'm buying the game, I'm buying the season pass, but I got to call it the way I see it. This is effery. Because they know they can get away with it because of the license and how popular it is. And you know, am I help? Am I feeding into the problem? Yeah. Because <laughs> you just want to play the game and you're willing to pay the price. Yeah. So, you know, you know. And, and, and I don't do you. this for every. I, I don't do this for every game, but I got. I have to call. I have to call shady business. Shady business, and this is shady business. There's no reason why a $150 uh, collector's edition should not include the season pass. So, no reason. I, I take it you're not buying the collector's edition. I am not. No. Oh, okay. No, sir. I was. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you buying the game, Desmond, though? You're interested in it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy it. It looks fun. I mean, or I'm going to watch you play it and then see how that is. I'm actually on the, I'm not going to buy it. I don't think I'm not a big dragon ball fan. So it's like, but I don't want to see the gameplay and it looks dope anyway. So I'll have to see once everything kind of comes to fruition. I know that that game plus uh, street fighter five arcade edition comes out the same month. And that is retailing for a hot 40 bucks with uh, season one and season two characters included. So, but it's just Street Fighter V, so who knows? <laughs> this and Blaze Blue uh, Cross Tag are the two fighting games that I'm, I'm fiending over for next year right now. So, gotcha. Now, one news story that came up this last week that we're all going to have wonderful discussions on. Um, at TwitchCon, Destiny had a panel, and during the panel, they went over all their game plans for Destiny 2 coming up. Uh, they are planning to do seasons just like uh, Blizzard does with Diablo. They're going to have seasons uh, come in and out of Destiny, and so they're planning on Season 2, uh, introducing the Dawning. That will be coming back from the original Destiny, which is going to be a holiday-themed event, so... Probably expect season two to start around Christmas or a little bit before Christmas on there. Um, they said they're they're adding seasons to Destiny two to give players a quote unquote a more predictable cadence for content updates. And so, uh, what they're in, including with this change of seasons is uh, 
also, um, you know, rotating in and out cosmetic items on there. So there's certain cosmetic items, including, you know, um, ghosts, uh, ships, um, emotes that will only be available in season one on there. And so uh, basically also when the new season starts is when they're going to bring in like uh, things like uh, weapon balancing and uh, uh, changes to the game as well on there. Um, the dawning is going to feature um, obviously changes to the tower and the farm. You're going to be able to play hockey instead of soccer and have snowball fights during the dawning as well. I think from what they said, snowballs can actually be used in game against um, um, creatures out and about during PVE. Surprise, surprise. So that's another thing. Uh, I got to give them heads up on there. Um, they uh, kind of showed slides of uh, some of the new gear that's available during the donning on there. Um, armor sets, of course. Um, also, the change in season is going to change the uh, clans and clan banners. So what they're planning on doing is resetting the uh, clan rating once a new season starts. And so, you know, one of the things that they're trying to do is to be able to get together with your clan and to be able to get to the max level of six uh, before the end of season one. So they're going to have something that they call a clarion call. That clarion call will give you uh, extra XP, of course, double experience, uh, as long as you're rolling with a clanmate on there and uh, roll of course more items and bright engrams on there so and then the reason why they're giving you a chance to get more bright engrams is that it gives you an opportunity to grab some of the stuff from season one that might not be available in future seasons i know um that they have in season two new exotic class ships sparrows and a mic drop emote and that's going to replace the spicy ramen emote from uh season one on there. I haven't got the spicy ramen emote yet, so I'm looking kind of wanting to get that. So, um, season two of destiny two will also include a change to the faction rallies on there. The event, which you pledge allegiance to, you know, of course, dead orbit, new monarchy or future war cult in season two players will be able to earn faction armor by playing and representing your faction. So it's not just going to be a week event on there in, pretty much you could say a week event and a week event <laughs> double meaning <laughs> on that so um glad that they kind of shorted up because just competing to see who the top faction is and getting a weapon if you selected the right one was kind of janky in my humble opinion on there so also they're going to make some changes to the iron banner economy as well they said that the token economy is not the best fit for every game activity and they're going to give you an option, Iron Banner, starting in Season 2, to purchase Iron Banner guns with tokens and legendary shards So, on there. So bravo on that. I remember grinding out this last Iron Banner, trying to get every little last gun and armor. I mean, I'm glad I had a week off of work to do it. So, <laughs> so. And armor items will also get new ornament options that players will be able to earn through gameplay accomplishments on there. So they did show some of the features of Iron Banner, including some of the weapons and uh, armor sets that will be available on there. And like I said, uh, that this won't hit until Season 2. There's one more Iron Banner going to roll around for Season 1. So just in case you haven't got your armor sets all ready to go, which um, I'm going to say myself, I don't have all my pieces to my armor set either. Kind of get that going on there. And then 
Um, they did confirm that the uh, Festival of the Lost, Eva Avante from the Tower from Destiny One, will not come about this year for Halloween. They're kind of, kind of putting it on the back burner. I would say with the launch of the game and uh, you know getting the game out for PC this week, uh, they probably don't have time to do that right now. So, so after I read all this wonderful stuff, you guys have any opinions, Desmond? I'm going to throw it over to you for thoughts. Uh, sounds fun. You know, I just hope we get some new stuff. No, that's all. Uh, it looks like we are. The I looked at some of the stuff that was that was posted, and it looks fun. You know, um, it, it we are doing a little bit of the same thing. It, it is what Destiny is about, so I'm not surprised by it. So, but I am. Um, I'm excited by it. I, I the whole the whole thing about throwing snowballs at people in PVE is kind of funny. And I really hope that you can do it in PvP too. Although I don't think people will be like that because it's so competitive. Oh, <laughs> so, but um, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be fun. Um, what about you, Kev? You, you think it's going to be a good, you think you like it? You, you okay with this or you want more? Um, I kind of want to see more weapons. I, I would like to see some updates leaning more toward uh, weapon variety as opposed to armor. But um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, the up whatever weapon updates, I'm going to assume that they're going uh, that they're going to at some point address the pulse rifle issue. Uh, I'm holding on to a couple of pulse rifles that I like, but just really aren't helping me out, be it PvP or PvE. I agree. Uh, 100%. So I'm holding holding on to a a couple of those. So when those balances are made, I'll have the pulse rifles that I'll want to use. So I've been having fun with a couple of pulse rifles. I do like the Vigilance Wing quite a bit, but that's an exotic of course, and uh, trying to remember whether the other pulse rifle I'm actually using quite a bit. Uh, I think, uh, take a look here. I have Swift Ride and um, Last Perdition is one I've been using. So, another one I can't remember. I don't have Last Perdition, I've got two more that I that the names just don't come to me at this at this moment. Uh, one of them is the one that you get from uh, Zavala for the Vanguard uh, rewards. I have that one. That I, I like the way that gun shoots. I'm just not able to really utilize it effectively in PV in PVE. Oh, I kind of like the one that was available during Iron Banner, the Time War Inspire, because of the firing rate. The firing rate is just crazy on that one. So. I've kind of gotten used to playing with pulse rifles a little bit more. So, you know, you know, it's cool with Destiny because you kind of favor certain weapons to begin with. And then uh, you kind of, you know, kind of play around with the other weapon types. And there's a lot of like, you know, hidden nooks and crannies. It's like, you know, it's like eating an English muffin or something. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just kind of discovering kind of the ins and outs of the game, the kind of the DNA, so to speak. So on that but uh, still you know a good kind of game plan for Bungie to kind of lay out as far as what their intentions and these seasons are on top not including you know obviously the stuff that's included with the season pass so 
we'll have to see what comes about with all that as far as story arcs and that kind of thing that they're going to come up with as well. And hopefully they get uh, some sort of horde mode back into it, you know, um, as far as uh, what they had in Destiny 1, because I know we kind of ran the, you know, the prison quite a bit. So prison of elders. So I like uh, prison of elders. I would like to see that return. Yeah, I hope they kind of get that going about. So, and then last news story I want to just kind of cover briefly. Uh, thought was interesting. Insomniac Games uh, made a comment. Uh, people have been asking for a sequel to Sunset Overdrive, which is an Xbox One exclusive. But they stated that uh, on Twitter that uh, they are looking for a publisher. That they it just depends on who wants to invest in the game. But that uh, they want to do a sequel. Uh, but it doesn't look like it is Microsoft, unfortunately. They do not own rights to the Sunset Overdrive franchise. And the reason why they went with Microsoft to begin with is that they um, let Insomnia keep the IP. And so they own the IP. But it uh, doesn't seem like uh, Microsoft wants to pony up the dinero to fund the Sunset Overdrive too. And so uh, what can you do with a critically acclaimed game that people want more of that Microsoft doesn't have a lot of first-party titles on the docket. Uh, don't know why they don't just pony up the cash and get the game on the Xbox One. It already has a kind of a, a history with the platform, and so uh, it's kind of interesting to see that uh, Insomniac still is willing to make the sequel, and hopefully they get it on a multi-platform, get someone that wants to put the money into um, the game that way, it, you know, has more access on different platforms and to get uh, a more notoriety, you know, maybe more of an audience to, you know, actually make funding it worthwhile. So uh, any thoughts, Kevin, as far as the Sunset of Overdrive 2? I know you, I don't know if you dabbled with the first one at all. I played a little bit of it. Um, I thought it was an okay game. I didn't think it was you know, super, super fun, but I thought it was okay. The reason why it, the, Microsoft isn't putting up the money is because nobody bought the first game. Yeah. The, the first game was not a sales success. And, you know, that's, I think that's the double-edged sword. Microsoft needs new IP, new exclusives, but their fan base has to be willing to buy the games. Yeah. Um, that I think, and, and you know, and I don't know. Maybe it, it's just the way Sony does things a little differently. Um, Sony's first parties aren't necessarily, you know, blockbuster sellers. With you know, with certain with certain exceptions like Horizon and Uncharted. But what those first parties do is they provide gameplay variety. You're not when you you're not stuck in a genre rut. Yeah. And the Xbox is stuck in a genre rut. It's the Halo platform. It's mm. the Forza platform. It's That's the, the Gears platform. Yep. And until they can, they are willing to take a, take a little bit of a loss in order to build that, that variety base, build that, that, that IP base up, until they're willing to take a little bit and maybe lose a little bit in the, in um, in the short term, 
in order to gain in the long term by investing in studios, investing in IP, uh, investing in 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 first you know first runs of you know like what uh uh what uh, uh what they're trying to get done with Sunset Overdrive 2 until they're willing to do that nothing's going to change. Oh, well, uh, Sunset Overdrive 2 is like almost in a way I would say it would be a great 30 40 dollar title, you know, just like what they're doing with Recore you know, get out, get it to where it's, you know, not a full $60 title. It's a single player, you know, maybe 10 hour experience, 15 hour experience, maybe with a multiplayer component to keep people interested, but then not, you know, like a, you know, gigantic game games. It's a platform kind of title on yeah. there. You know, they need more, you know, the film, the gaps per se, you need to add that little variety, but you know, I had to throw some shade, but you know, uh, the other podcast that we've both been on, Kevin, GHR, they're all Xbox enthusiasts on that show. And, uh, you know, and they're pretty much meat and potatoes. They don't care about the, you know, sh- different things on their plate besides the, you know, Halo and the Gears and the Forza. It's just uh, sometimes that's just the way it goes. But, you know, in, to me, to attract a wider audience, I think... Uh, they're going to need to, you know, invest in games like this. And it's kind of sucks that there's a willingness on the developer's part to develop the game. There's a fan base that's asking for them to develop it, but there's uh, not a willingness to put money behind it. You know, hopefully yeah. maybe there's a, like a third-party publisher, like maybe a THQ Nordic or um, Deep Silver or, God forbid, even Square Enix that might, you know, pony up some cash and, and get Sunset Overdrive on multi-platforms, you know, so. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is even a, a, a less expensive option in outright investing in studios. Yeah. You, you've got an existing, uh, an, an, an existing studio that is ready to do the game. I, who knows if they've already started on the game or, or, or what, but at least in the planning process, you know, I... Otherwise, I don't see why they would even mention it. It's all they need is is some source money yeah. to to get to to publish the game. You're not Microsoft wouldn't be investing in the actual studio and providing all that capital. It's just feeding the project itself. And you know, it would be nice if they did that, but their their fan base has to be willing to expand beyond the trifecta and until they do and until they tell microsoft that they're willing to put their money where their mouth is you know i can complain about how lackluster their first party ips are but if the people that are our primary xbox aren't willing to go outside of that and every time the few times that they do it's it's low sales, but you know, Gears Four really didn't sell as well as it as it was anticipated. Four as a seven isn't selling as well as they had anticipated, from what I'm hearing. I don't, I haven't seen any NPD numbers. Um, you gotta you gotta put you gotta put some money up on both sides of the equation. I love steak, but if I can go to a place that can give me steak, fried chicken, and ribs. <laughs> I'm there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> how about you? How about you, Desmond? 
I really have no thought about it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it is kind of it is going to be what it's going to be, unfortunately. But who knows? Who knows? All right, you guys. Well, that's all the news I have this week. I think I brought brought enough uh, salvo to the the table. So yes, we had we had we had good good discussion on these articles, and thank you so much for sharing those with us. And folks, we have game nights every week on Thursday evenings at six p.m. Uh, we primarily play well. We play on on place on PSN. Uh, that may change once uh, we get we get uh, Xboxes in our in our respective entertainment centers. But for now, that's where we're that's where we're playing. Uh, our PSN IDs. Uh, Joe is at Kamunagara. K A M U N A G A R A. I am Shonuf Seven. S H O N U F The number seven. And Dez is at Nemo Tigger, N E M O T G R. You can find us there on the PlayStation networks at those respective IDs. We're also in the Twitter sphere, so you can hit us up. Joe is at Joe Fongul, J O E F O N G U L. I am at Shonuff71, S H O N U F, the number 71. And Dez is at Nemo Cub, N E M O C U B. And uh, hey, if you'd like to be on the show, want to share your opinions on anything we've discussed, want to bring your opinions on the gaming industry to the forefront and share them with our community, you can send a request to be on the show or share your thoughts to gamingvessels at gmail.com. And uh, with that, uh, before we close out, I have to say I have to say something really, 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 really quick. Uh, we're talking about Dragon Ball. Y'all know I'm a Dragon Ball fanatic. Uh, I was listening to a podcast today. I'm generally not a super fan of the corporate podcasts, but if you are if you have the opportunity and you're a Dragon Ball fan, check out. Um, uh, what is it? It is uh, um, what's the name of that magazine that comes with uh, GameStop, the GameStop Club membership? Game, Game, Game Informer. Informer. Game Informer. Game Informer did a pod has a pod. This week's podcast is all about Dragon Ball. They go into an in depth discussion of the first series Z and Super. And they also have some really cool interviews with the voices of Yamcha, uh, Piccolo, and Vegeta. And they go into, you know, talk about what they do behind the scenes. It's a very interesting show. It's very cool. Uh, I don't know what number episode that is. Like I said, I don't listen to corporate sites, corporate podcasts all that much. I listen that's to a the, couple, but not a whole lot. That's the Game Informer show. And but it does, uh, yeah. It is the Game, of, Game Informer podcast. I think it is. Um, it's going to be episode uh, 368. Okay, episode 368. So check that out if you're a Dragon Ball Z, if, if you're a Dragon Ball fan at all. Uh, very interesting show, to be sure. Uh, and with that, um, you guys have anything last minute you want to share since I, I did that little spiel? Not really. I mean, just, you know, come and join us. Let's have some fun and play these games. 
Um, let us know if you have any questions or comments. Uh, we love talking to folks. You know how it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a special guest on next week's episode, which is going to be um, Donald, your cousin, but he's a professional blaze blue player, if I'm not mistaken. And so we're going to talk a lot about fighting games next episode. too. So if you have any thoughts, want to pose a question about the competitive uh, gaming scene, especially when it comes to fighting games, you know, just let us know, send us an email or let us know on Twitter and we'll, you know, set that up so we could let Donald uh, kind of uh, chew the fat on his opinions on the competitive fighting game scene as it stands right now. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to that show. So with that folks, we are going to bring episode 23 of season one to a close. We want to thank you for joining us and listening to us uh, pontificate on all things gaming. Uh, this, on this, for, for this, um, I am Shonuff71. That is the Bay Area Terra Nemo Cub. He is the food max of gaming to maximize your gaming dollar. Trader Joe. And yep. we will be back next week. Peace.